Welcome to The Winsome Creationist, where we explore God's world using a model-building approach, interact with a gracious tone, and take a firm stand on the literal truth of creation found in God's Word. Join host Steve Schramm and occasional guest as they explore the mysteries and majesties from creation to the flood, Babel to the cross, and everywhere in between. And now, here's your host. Does supernatural creation do away with the need for science? If we believe that God created the world, is there any reason at all to think that we can or even should want to understand the um, way that creation happens, the way that science works, the way that God built the universe to function and to operate? Believe it or not, there are some people who really struggle with the answer to that question. And so in this episode, what I'd like to try to do is give you some clarifying thoughts, and we're going to do so in the context of a very particular question that was asked in the comments on the YouTube channel. So we're going to go check that out. We're going to look at the comment, and then we're going to kind of evaluate it and make some points that I think can really help bring some clarity to this issue. So in advance, I'd like to thank Marty for the question. Thank you so much for that. It was great. And the spirit and tone of your question was absolutely wonderful. It's the kind of thing that we like to interact with around here at the Winsome Creationist. And so I thought it would be really nice to actually respond to this question on the channel and in the podcast here and, and bring it out to the wider audience. So I'm going to go ahead and frame the question. Again, we're talking about supernatural creation. Does it do away with the need for science or, or even to study science? So this question from Marty came as a post to a comment on one of the first episodes that we actually did of the Winsome Creationist, and it was an interview between me and Paul Garner. We were talking about the current state of creation science, and there is a, uh, a part in that interview, and I'll let you go watch it because I don't want to take up your time here. There's a part in that interview where we discuss uh, radiometric dating and some of the evidence from that. And the long and short of it is, is that some of the evidence seems to point to the fact that God may have actually altered the laws of physics during the flood. And that is very troubling for some people. Now, not every creationist believes that, um, but some do. And some are at least open to the possibility that that kind of thing could have happened. Now, what wider implications does that have for science? Well, probably quite a bit. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I'm not, I'm not, I don't want to act as though that's some sort of a, a light thing. I just want to make sure to contextualize this comment for you so you know uh, where it's coming from. Okay, so this is what Marty said. He said, if you're willing to accept that God changed the laws of physics as an explanation of data that doesn't fit with young Earth, why even try to come up with scientific models and whatnot in the first place? It seems to me, at that point, any explanation is as good as any other. I understand maybe specific events in biblical history causing the appearance of age, like the flood, and all of that, but when you say God miraculously meddled with decay rates, I guess my faith isn't strong enough for me to take an interpretation of Genesis as true in the face of numerous lines of evidence like that. That's ultimately how strong I want my faith to be, but I just don't feel the evidence for Christianity is good enough to warrant that. Honestly, I'm jealous. And then that was the end of the quote. 
Um, it's a great question. It's a really good question. There's a lot going on there. Um, in, in, in your last line there, Marty, um, it, it does say that you don't feel like the evidence for Christianity is good enough. I suppose I'm not entirely sure what's meant by that. Um, the evidence for Christianity as it relates to, like, from Genesis to Revelation, or the evidence for Christianity as it relates to the resurrection of, you know, Jesus. I mean, I, I just would want to be very, very careful to make a distinction. Obviously, I believe where we stand on issues like creation and the inspiration of the Bible and all that, those are all very, very important things. Um, in my personal view, they are uh, probably secondary to the uh, examination of the person of Jesus of Nazareth. Um, and I think um, evidence specifically for the Christian faith needs to be evaluated um, on those terms of the, the resurrection. And of course, in the context of the biblical historical history uh, set before it. So all of that matters. Um, but I, I do think I would personally want to make a distinction there. So um, I've got some points here that I just kind of want to talk through. And I, I did respond to Marty's comment, which you can go to that video and you can look at the response to the comment. And um, my, my thinking here, my outline here sort of follows that, you know, the, the, the kind of way that I engaged with that response. Okay. So first, let's talk about the possibility of God actually manipulating the laws of physics. Um, as I mentioned, this is a tough area because the laws of physics pretty much affect everything that we know, okay? So I definitely don't want to suggest lightly that something like the laws of physics being altered, you know, like that's not a little thing. <laughs> it's a very big thing. However, at the end of the day, God created the universe and he has command over the laws of physics. God put these physical laws in place. I get that. I understand that they enable us to do science. I get that. I understand that investigation into the history of how things happened would be very hard without being able to point to those as a constant. I understand that. And yet, I would never want to subject my miniature thinking to some level higher than the fact that God created the universe and has command over those laws. It seems to me like if at any moment God wants to do anything, he can. Now, what's really interesting, and I, I think this is a point that a lot of people miss, and so I want to bring it out here. So one of Dr. Hugh Ross, if you don't know, Dr. Hugh Ross is the founder of Reasons to Believe. He is a astronomer, and he's done a lot of debates and interactions with young age creationists over the years. And he often makes this point that there's this, uh, this, this verse in Jeremiah that actually teaches that the laws of physics have been constant since the beginning of the universe. I have two problems with that, okay? Um, number one, it doesn't teach that. <laughs> Um, uh, in, in fact, in fact, I just want to go find the verse real quick because, you know, I think it's kind of important. Uh, I think it's this one. Let's see. Yeah. So it's Jeremiah thirty three twenty five. So it says this, thus saith the Lord, if my covenant be not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinances of heaven and earth, then will I cast away the seed of Jacob and David, my servant so that I will not take away any of his seed to be rulers over the seed of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
for I will cause their captivity to return and have mercy on them. So he's creating a contrast. This happens often uh, throughout scripture. Basically, this is God saying, look, I've set my ordinances with the law, you know, with heaven and earth. I've made a covenant with day and night. And just as sure as all of that happens, I will take care of my people. That's basically what's being said here. And what I find really interesting about this is we don't actually have a statement in Genesis 1 when everything was being created about this. Okay. We do have a statement about the, um, moon and the sun being created for signs and for seasons and for times and for all of that. Um, we understand that, but we don't have some sort of promise that there's going to be this cyclical constant pattern of creation. But we do have that kind of promise. Here's the interesting thing though. That promise is made in the Noahic covenant after the flood in Genesis 8. So Genesis 8:22, while the earth remaineth seed time and harvest and cold and heat and summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. It says while the earth remaineth. So there's nothing in scripture until after the flood to suggest the uniformity of nature. Now, I know, I know that's going to have some other implications, and that's fine. Maybe the laws of physics functioned very similarly prior to the flood. Maybe they were the exact same. God suspends or changes something during the year of the flood, and it creates the cataclysmic result that it creates. And then um, he puts it back in order afterward and then tells us, look, now I'm making a covenant while the earth remains. Okay? So it seems to me this covenant, this law, for, number one, I don't know that it's quite fair to say that Jeremiah 33.25, as Dr. Ross points to, is actually talking about the laws of physics. That seems a very concordist interpretation to me. I mean, if you're not familiar with concordism, um, concordism is the idea that uh, basically you'll be able to see science and the Bible line up in, in very specific ways. Like, like the Bible is describing things and then the science is taking place just as that happened. Um, personally, I am not a concordist. Um, and so I, I, in other words, for a verse like this, I would not want to find physical laws to map a verse like this too because the writer of this passage had no idea what the laws of physics were but he understands day and night and the ordinances of heaven and earth like he understands how um yeah it's like it's funny how like tomorrow when i wake up the same thing happens that happened today you know it's like the universe keeps moving and so you can only deal with what you can deal with sure he was writing under the inspiration of the holy spirit but again, I don't, I don't see that process as like some sort of a download, right? So there's lots of things going on here. Suffice it to say that I do think this verse is referring to the uniformity of nature. I'm not willing to say that it refers to the laws of physics. Um, and when was all of that seemingly established? It seems like this verse points back to the Noahic covenant, not to the week of creation. And so creation was a supernatural event. The flood, while it had physical effects, was a supernatural event. And I think it's particularly interesting that the sort of uniformity 
and the lack of chaos that would be required in a world where God promises there would be no more flood, you know, it makes sense that there is this covenant given of cold and heat and summer and winter, day and night shall not cease, that we have that pattern of uniformity in nature, okay? So I think that's a very interesting point. So that's why the flood, it like really doesn't bother me to think that maybe the laws of physics operated entirely differently before the flood. We really only seem to have um, biblical evidence that the earth and sun and all of that was was made to operate uniformly um, after the flood. So I know I've camped out there for a minute, but I feel like it's a really important point. Um, and again, I should just mention before moving on that not all creationists uh, accept that God manipulated the laws of physics, but as Christians, I really feel like we should believe that God has full control over his creation, and there's quite a bit uh, that we do not know. And so I do not think that it invalidates the scientific enterprise, though, to try to look and see how these things might have happened and how they might have taken place. Um, I think the Lord gives us great reason to study, and that moves us into my next point, which is the value of scientific inquiry, okay? Even though God has control over everything that happens, it's his creation, he could do what he wants with it. It doesn't validate the scientific quest, in my view. It makes it more exciting. And this is one of the interesting things I actually love about being a creationist as I watch people explore. And I, you know, I, wish, I wish I was a scientist, but I'm not. You know, I wish I was smart enough to, uh, uh, to, to be among their ranks. But as I point and to the work they do through the work that I'm doing, and I, I, I love to highlight these guys. I think they're doing amazing stuff. It's so exciting to me that we're not, like we don't have to use science to try to figure out how history played out. That's a big difference, right? With creationism, we have what we believe to be a reliable historical record authored ultimately by the supervision of the you know superintending hand of God and the spirit of God working in his people to make sure that the message is accurately delivered about the whole of human history. And we get to work from that premise. We get to work from that basis of surety, of that strong foundation of the word of God, and then say, well, how might God have done it? In other words, he told us the what? He gives us a little bit of the why, and it's our job to go figure out the how. And it's outside of the scope of this episode, but I really feel like that once the new heavens and the new earth and the final resurrection takes place and, and we're, 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 we're heading back for Eden, once we get back to Eden, I really think that from that point, there's going to be like the same job, okay? In other words, we're going to get to help God in the stewarding and, and rule of his creation. The Bible says we're going to be judging over angels. We're going to be ruling over the nations. I don't know what all of that means for us believers, but I do know it's going to be awesome, okay? And so it seems to me that we could literally spend an eternity searching out the ways of God. And I think that's what's probably going to happen. And so this is another interesting verse in the Bible. It's Proverbs 25, 2. And it says that it's the glory of God to conceal a thing. Again, I didn't make this up. As one of my, my uh, mentors from a distance says, it was in the Bible when I woke up this morning, okay? I didn't put it there, all right? It's the glory of God to conceal a thing. Think about that real quick. In other words, for God to conceal something that brings him glory. But it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. 
In other words, when we're playing spiritual, heavenly, hide and seek, that brings glory to God. That brings glory to God. When he can put something in creation for us to go find and for us to discover because it engages our minds, it it gives us an opportunity to learn, it draws us closer to him, it allows us to exercise the creative capacities that he has given us in order to discover and learn more about him and more about his world. That's an amazing thing that we should not take for granted. And so I think regardless of any questions about the laws of physics or particular scientific models or any of that, the fact that we get to go discover the world that God has placed us in, we get to subdue creation and have dominion. We get to be fruitful and to multiply. We get to learn about him and interact with his creation. That's an amazing thing. And so we are coming from the place that the Bible gives us an accurate history of the earth. Science starts with that history and then researches because it's the honor of kings to search out a matter. It's the glory of God to conceal it. We research possible mechanisms that can make those events happen. It's almost like we're we're crime scene investigators or something, if you will, right? We're able to go in and actually explore and understand how God might have done something with, of course, the humble admission that at any point we could be wrong about the how, but we're not wrong about the what. And that's what is so amazing and incredible to me about being a creationist and particularly being involved in the world of creation exploration and research. And then finally, let's talk about the role of faith, because that's another big piece that was mentioned. So for me, again, it's not really an issue of great faith that uh, God could manipulate the laws of physics. So this is not actually a faith thing for me. And the reason I bring this up is because um, Marty, in his original question, said, you know, that's ultimately, well, let me just go back a little bit. When you say God miraculously meddled with decay rates, by the way, I wouldn't say God miraculously meddled with decay rates because that looks weird. That sounds like subterfuge. That sounds like God went in and meddled with the decay rates to, to, to mess with us. I don't think that's what's happening. I think that either the laws of physics were different or they weren't different, but they were changed in this particular event, not, not just to change them, but to create the result that he wanted to create. In other words, that's potentially what would have needed to happen in order for the result that God wanted to take place. Harkening back to my episode recently with uh, Dr. Tico Tenev, it's the same thing. We're talking about initial conditions for the act of creation that would allow for God to accomplish his goal of the light from the stars reaching the earth on day four. Okay, so it's not arbitrary. It's objective. It's baked into something real. So we're not talking about meddling with decay rates. What we're talking about is the laws of physics operating in a certain way in order to accomplish the destruction of the earth via the flood that he intended. Okay, so um, he says, I guess my faith isn't strong enough for me to take an interpretation of Genesis as true in the face of numerous lines of evidence like that. That's ultimately how strong I want my faith to be, but I just don't feel like the evidence for Christianity is good enough to warrant that. Honestly, I'm jealous. And, and so I wanted to highlight that it's not that it's not as though I have enough faith necessarily that God could manipulate uh, physics because I'm certainly not thinking about the manipulation of physics when I'm thinking about faith. I am operating from actually the very simple premise that if you believe God created the world, 
then you must also believe that God can change the world. There's just no way, there's just no way that you can believe in a supernatural creator out time or out, outside of time and space. Existing sans creation. In other words, without creation. Existing totally independently and apart from anything being created. How do you believe in a God like that who can't then manipulate what he has created in any way that he wants to? In fact, the only ways that he can't, this is cool. This is crazy to think about. The only thing that God can't do is do something that is inconsistent with who God is and what promises he has made. So think about this. God cannot lie. The Bible says that in the book of Titus. He cannot lie. And so when God makes a promise, when God makes a covenant, he can no longer do that thing that he made that covenant against. So what do I mean by that? Well, consider the flood, okay? If God didn't make that covenant prior to the events of the flood, then there's nothing to abide by. But he did make the covenant after the flood. It's called the Noahic Covenant, where he said not only that he wasn't going to destroy the earth with a flood, but he apparently seems to say that he is going to make, while the earth remains, he's going to, um, he's going to install and maintain and sustain and uphold those patterns such that such an event would not even be possible. Really crazy. So he did it once, maybe, but he can't do it again. Why? Because then he would be breaking his promise and he can't break his promise. So the only things that God cannot do are things that are logically impossible, number one. And then number two, things that are inconsistent given his character and nature. Things that he has promised and made a covenant. He can't lie, right? He can't be morally evil because God is all good. So he can't commit morally evil acts. And I know some people think that he did and say that he did. That's a discussion for a completely different day. The point is, is that God can't do anything inconsistent with his character or nature. He can't break his promises, which is amazing. So I, I believe God created the world. I believe he can change the world. I believe that he can't change the world in ways that would allow him to break his promises. I believe he can't do anything that is going to allow him to break his promises. I believe he cannot lie. I believe he cannot commit moral evil. And so it's, it's really amazing to think about that it doesn't really take faith to believe these things. Really, it takes faith to believe in God. Of course, it takes faith to please God. But once you're operating from the premise of these basic statements that Scripture makes about God, not sure how much faith is required to necessarily believe this. So in other words, if you're if you're having a mental battle of like, I don't know that I have enough faith. I, I believe God exists, but I don't believe God could change the laws of physics. Uh, my question would be why? If you have enough faith to believe God exists, then you have enough faith, right? It's pretty crazy. Anyway, I think that is, I don't know, like permission almost to believe in what you may think is impossible. Because you know what's impossible? This world being here, absent a creator God, that's impossible. What's impossible is being in the presence of the Holy One, in the presence of Almighty God, 
And yet we are indwelled by the spirit of Christ. Man, God has already done the impossible if you're a Christian. I'm just taking him at his word for the rest. And you can call that faith if you want to. It's just really not the way that I see it. I think, I think we have faith that God created the world. If God created it, he can change it as long as he's not breaking his promises. So I love this. I love that we have this accurate historical record to work with. We only need to ask how things happened, not what. That's why we do science. Science can answer the how for us. And I think Christian faith and scientific inquiry just go hand in hand when you're looking at studying God's creation. Um, again, it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search it out. It's really an incredible thing, and it's no more complicated than that. All right. So supernatural creation does not do away with the need for science. Again, it provides the foundational truths and even the inspiration for scientific discovery, which is a whole other episode of its own that we could go down. Suffice it to say that if you believe God created the world, then you should believe God could change the world as long as he's not violating his own laws and his own statements and his own promises and his own character and his own nature. I hope this has been helpful and clarifying for some of you. I know we went in a lot of different directions today, but I was really just trying to hone in on this point that we can, we can be sure that God created the world, gave us an accurate historical record that we should go out and do scientific inquiry to learn as much as we can about it. God bless. Hope you guys have a fantastic couple weeks and we'll see you soon again here on The Winsome Creationist.